I've heard it said that one of the best things in life you can do is to make a positive difference to the life of another person. And that's something that we've experienced over the past seven or eight years that we've been running the foundation. It's been incredibly rewarding. We believe that every life is important and every mother giving birth, every baby coming into the world is special, no matter where they're born, whether that's Australia or Ethiopia. Hi, I'm Ian Shanks, owner of the Full Life Pharmacies Group and CEO of the Full Life Foundation. And you're listening to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network Podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network Podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. Focusing on pharmacy management and ownership, the PBCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. Ian Shanks has been a pharmacist for over 40 years, is the owner of the Full Life Pharmacies Group and CEO of the Full Life Foundation, an Australian charity focusing on the health of women and children in Ethiopia. Ian has had a lifelong interest in philanthropy and through his pharmacies has been able to raise awareness and to support many charities, both locally and internationally over the years. With the support of managing partners in his pharmacies now, Ian is able to focus on integrating his dual passions of continually developing the full-life pharmacies model as one of wellness and health management with the complete integration of the Full Life Foundation to help those he serves live a full life. Here's Ian. Ian, welcome to the show. Now, in the introduction, we heard that the Full Life Foundation is an Australian charity focusing on the health of women and children in Ethiopia. Ian, why did you decide to start the Full Life Foundation? And where do you even begin when you decide to start something like a foundation? I guess I've always had an interest in philanthropy and in particular Africa. Um, And I've supported charities working in Africa for some time. Now, in 2012, I had the opportunity to, uh, with our youngest son, Nathan, to climb Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania. And while the the climb in the summer was was just fantastic, um, the next week was pretty gut-wrenching because we travelled around Tanzania uh, to some game parks, but we saw poverty for the very first time, really gut-wrenching poverty, and it really shook me. Um, and I, I, I remember saying, thinking to myself, how can this happen? Like only a, a plane flight away from my comfortable world, and here's people struggling to survive, and in many cases dying from what we would class as preventable causes. So I came back uh, not really knowing where to start, but determined to do something about what I'd seen. And at that time, I'd been working um, in the business with a pharmacy consultant, uh, Michelle Bosamra, who we discovered we had a shared interest in philanthropy and in particular Ethiopia. Uh, She actually uh, came onto our board in the early days, but she was able to assist and guide me as the concept of the Full Life Foundation took shape. Uh, We got some accounting and legal advice on the best way to structure uh, so that we were compliant. And I then asked uh, Janelle Murley, who was a talented vocational trainer I knew through the Salvos, to actually join our board. Uh, I got a mate who was a barrister to help us with all our governance and our legal issues. And Teresa Hooper, who's a highly respected CPA in the pharmacy industry, she came on board a little bit later to give us financial and accounting uh, advice and rigour. And I guess uh, the Full White Foundation was born. Um, we wanted to be clear up front about our goals. So we decided to focus on improving 
the health of women and children in Ethiopia. We wanted to keep it narrow to maximise the impact. And this allowed us to better align with our pharmacy goals as well. And I guess years ago, I wouldn't have even thought about running a charity. So uh, here I am, you never know what's around the corner. Well, it certainly sounds like you have an all-star team right there. Now, you've obviously got a deep connection with Ethiopia, grounded in that trip with your son, albeit to a different country, where you were confronted with extreme poverty. Tell us a little bit about Ethiopia and specifically the areas you work in and focus on, because as you said, it is a narrow focus. You're right when you talk about my connection with Ethiopia. I just love the place and I love its people. And every time we go, we feel welcome and and I guess we feel appreciated. And despite the challenges they face every day, um, there's this dignity and I guess a sense of community in its people that I think to some degree we've lost in the developed world. Um, when I'm there, time just seems to slow down. They actually call it Africa time. And um, I find myself slowing down with it. I'm more aware of my surroundings and more appreciative of the simple things in life. It's a country of incredible beauty, both the people and the landscapes. And I still remember our first visit in 2014. Um, we went to visit some projects in Samray, which is up in the North uh, Tigray region. We rounded this corner on this dusty road and there before us was this extraordinary landscape. There was this, best way to describe it was a mini Grand Canyon and then these soaring mountains that seemed to just shoot straight up out of the arid plains around us. It was just truly beautiful and awe-inspiring. The camera got a fair workout that day. Um, Ethiopia is a country of over 115 million people. It's the second most populous in Africa. And it's all in the space just over the size of South Australia. In Ethiopia, women have a one in 52 chance of dying from childbirth-related causes, and that's each year. And each year, more than 250,000 children under the age of five die, and 120,000 die just after they're born in the neonatal period. So we are doing what we can to tackle those horrible stats. And we have two major project areas. Uh, We work in the south around a a place called Shermo, which is about six hours by um, pretty average road uh, from the capital, Addis Ababa. And this area, while it's got sufficient rainfall, it's ironically got a lack of clean water. So we we work uh, on that area as well. And it's interesting because much of the land around there, it feels like you're driving through uh, country Victoria. There are eucalypts everywhere. Back in the 1800s, we apparently transported millions of eucalypt seedlings to Ethiopia and they've sprung up all over the place. It really makes us feel like we're at home. It's another nice, interesting connection with Australia. Uh, The second area we work in extensively is up in the northeastern Afar province. Now, this is the hottest inhabited place on earth. And it's not the, you know, that's not something you want to be proud of. Um, And we work with two main partners on the ground up there. And this area is prone to drought and malnutrition. They've just had a locust plague up there, which has been devastating. And it has one of the highest maternal death rates in the world. You spoke about some of the issues and those horrible statistics that you just outlined and then the two main areas that you work in. And so obviously you have projects that are focused on trying to address those issues. It would be great to hear some more about some of those types of projects that you've supported or funded and also some insight into how they play out once they're finished and how they impact people in those communities. Yeah, I guess our mission is to improve health of women and children in Ethiopia and 
our projects have been defined by that. And as I was thinking about this, it probably falls in the three broad areas. The first is infrastructure that we build. The second would be sort of clean water and health. And the third would be birthing support and training. Uh, with infrastructure, back in 2015, we were informed that up in Samray in the north that I mentioned earlier, 32 mothers had lost their lives that previous year while giving birth, which is just an absolute tragedy. We think of the loss of one life and what the effect that has on family. Could you imagine 32? So I guess the main reason here was a lack of facilities to bring mothers in from rural areas so that they could have a supervised birth. Many women gave birth alone, sadly. So we went to Pharmacy Alliance, who uh, are a great supporter of Full Life and the Full Life Foundation, and they agreed to provide substantial funding that allowed us to build two maternal waiting rooms. Now, each of these rooms would have 10 beds, and they were in two quite distinct rural areas, about 50K from each other. This was a, a $60,000 project um, in the Samray region. Now, the effect has been that it's helped reduce the annual maternal death rate from that 32 down to zero in 2016. So we were incredibly grateful for PA support um, and the other projects they continue to fund. Um, during 2018, NAPSA, who are the National Students uh, Pharmacy Students Association, they raised money for us to build a new health post uh, also in Shermo. And um, we got to take the president, who was uh, Jess, and the fundraising head, Stephanie, with us on our not 2019 trip to officially open that centre. And we hope to take a few more pharmacists in the future as well to show them what, uh, what we do. And speaking of pharmacists, we actually are funding two um, pharmacy students, the first two from the AFR region ever. And we're training, we're funding their training of them as pharmacists at university in Addis Ababa, the capital. And they're currently in year three and they'll return at the end of their course to the AFR to work with their people. Um, with water and health, we've been able to do a clean water project in Shermo that now provides clean water for over 20,000 people, which has dramatically reduced the number of people getting seriously ill and dying from drinking polluted water. Uh, we also provide water carts to disabled women and also water filters up in the Afar region, simply that disabled women could not get water, they couldn't cart it. It's not uncommon up there for even pregnant women to be carting water on their backs three to four times a day. So the water carts have made a substantial difference to people's lives. And we now find the men um, taking over the duty because they think it's quite cool to take the water cart out for a bit of a run. So it's changing some of the gender stuff up there, which is really good. Um, in terms of birthing support and training, we fund a lot of maternal training programs so that women have someone with them to assist them during birth. This is especially important up in the poor regions, such as the AFAR. Um, what else have we done? We've provided over 50,000 safe birthing kits to mothers in Ethiopia, which has saved hundreds of lives. Um, but not only the mothers, but also their babies um, that are often born on dirt floors and prone to infection. It's, it's really a bad cycle that happens up there. Um, we provide iron supplementation to uh, pregnant women to prevent anemia and also lentils if they're malnourished during pregnancy. And this also reduces the, the bad effects on the children when they're born. Um, recently, we vaccinated an entire village up in a remote area of the Afar 
And one of the problems up in there is that not only is it the hottest place on Earth, it's got the lowest immunisation rate on Earth. Only 8% of the population are immunised. And, and not so long ago, we, we heard that over 300 people, which were mainly children, sadly, had died from a measles outbreak up there. You know, this is just devastating news when it's such a preventable disease. I mean, we would, you know, in Australia, we'd freak if people were dying from something as simple as measles. And yet there, it's almost an everyday occurrence. So we were able to donate $20,000 to Valerie Browning's organisation to provide a health team to visit a remote desert community four times over a three-month period to ensure that all 1,000 people received all four rounds of vaccinations. Now, this is not just showing up and parking your, your four-wheel drive and rolling in. This is you take the four-wheel drive as far as you can and then a camel train takes the vaccines in ice fridges and ice boxes um, for the last two or three days of what is incredibly difficult terrain. So the exciting thing for us is now knowing that entire community is, is vaccinated um, and we're going to do another uh, community soon, we hope. Um, just one quick thing to finish this, uh, the things that we do. We funded a, a health centre and three delivery suites in Shermo um, during 2018 and we were able to visit to officially open this. It was a really great experience. The Australian ambassador came down with his team and we really celebrated with the local community. And I still remember one of the local mothers um, who had given birth at the centre stopped me and just say in very broken English, thank you. And it was just the look of joy and appreciation on her face that said it all. And it's moments like that that stay with you and remind us that what we are doing is worthwhile and it has an impact somewhere. Do you tear up a lot? Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a tad emotional. Um, and... It, it, it's been something that at times when you go to Ethiopia and see some of the things that we see in the need, it can become overwhelming, Daniel. But I think what that then does is provide impetus and a reason to do something about it, to come back, just to work with partners, to try and organise funding to actually go back and make a difference. So I guess the emotion is not necessarily a bad thing. We try to use it positively. Some amazing projects there, extremely impressive, but clearly projects aren't free. Those projects, they're important. The impacts are clear and they're tangible. You spoke about funding you've been able to secure from PA and NAPSA, but how do you go about raising funds for the foundation as a whole in terms of positioning the projects and getting people to say yes, either at an organizational level or an individual level, because often organizations and individuals we're asked to support so many good causes these days how do you break through and get a yes from people look it's a it's a real challenge in i guess particularly over the last couple of years to try and break through the the charity maze that is australia we have over 50,000 registered charities and that is a real challenge now the, we're one of a very small percentage that works internationally so I guess we try and focus on the impact we're able to have overseas, um, which is a far greater impact um, because the dollars just go further over there than we would have in, say, Australia. Um, in terms of how we raise funds, the Full Life Pharmacy Group, which is my group, heavily support the Full Life Foundation. It is part of our business model. So we are a major donor. 
pharmacy lines who I mentioned, especially their partner pharmacies, and 70 of those uh, help fund our initiatives. And they're extraordinary in the way that they, they do is In fact, at the moment, they're doing a, a flu vaccination campaign through 70 pharmacies. And for every vaccination done, we, a dollar goes to an immunisation campaign to help those people up in the AFR. Um, our customers donate club points, uh, which has been a major source of uh, not only income, but also connection with them. So we can talk to them about what we do and how they've been able to help. We have Gift of Hope cards, which are small incremental cards representing a health initiative. And they sit on our counters and customers often buy them to give us gifts or they just buy them to donate. And all the funding for that goes to the AFAR. Um, we've got a couple of businesses, Equip Pilates and PosDirect, a pharmacy supply company that support us, and we appreciate that, and some other companies and pharmacies that have our donation boxes. And, of course, we'd always like more. <laughs> These days, some people are reluctant when you're asking for more, like you said. Some people are reluctant to donate to charities because they're not sure how much goes directly to the people that you're positioning and that they are wanting to support. You state that 100% goes to your project partners. How does that happen? How do you guarantee that for people? How do you get that message across? It's something actually that early on we, we tackled because it was around the time when Shane Warne's charity was in the spotlight for, I guess, having very high expenses. And I remember some of the conversations I had with customers around that at the time, and it became clear that we had to come up with a way to to mitigate this. So... What we did is we just made the commitment of ensuring that all donate all donated funds were passed on fully to our partners, our trusted partners who run the projects on the ground in Ethiopia. So the way we do that is that every charity's got expenses. We have marketing, administrative expenses and compliance expenses. So my group for my pharmacies covers all of those so that we can make that commitment. It's transparent. And we can then guarantee people that their funds go wholly to that project. As you said, 100% of the funds raised go directly to your partners on the ground in Ethiopia delivering the projects. But following on from that, given that Ethiopia is about 12,000 kilometres away, how do you as a foundation ensure that the funds that you raise and pass on are actually spent appropriately and effectively? That is a really good question, and it's something that we do get asked quite a bit, Daniel. The first is that we only work with partners on the ground that are accountable and have a proven track record in running maternal and child health projects that are impactful. And every project we fund is governed by a detailed MOU, um, and our payments, uh, once they're scheduled, are only paid once we've reached agreed milestones. Now, our, the chair of our board, Janelle, is brilliant at this. It is certainly not my superpower. So we're really, really grateful we have her. The second thing is each year, and clearly COVID has, has delayed this, but each year we visit Ethiopia to view our projects. We talk to our partners, and most importantly, we talk to the communities on the ground to understand what they need, not what we think they need, but what they truly need um, to make their lives better. So... That way, it makes sure that the money is spent appropriately where the need is the greatest and for the greatest impact. And then when we visit, that allows us to celebrate, as I mentioned before, when we opened one of our uh, health centres, we can celebrate with the community the completion of the projects. 
Um, and the final thing is we look at future projects. We talk to our partners as we did last year when we visited, well, 2019 we visited, to find out where the greatest need is, and that helps inform our next round of projects that we'll fund. Some businesses' corporate social responsibility is driven from the heart, like yours clearly is, while others engage in work like you do because it can make good business sense. And sometimes I think it's fair to say that, well, a lot of the time, those things aren't necessarily unrelated and that's not a bad thing. So I'm curious about what benefits you've noticed to your business through this work. Our experience has been that one leads to the other. And I came from the position of trying to do the right thing. And yes, it definitely does come from the heart. But I think it was then about educating our full-life pharmacy teams. Once they were on board and passionate, then they could start letting our customers know about the work of the foundation and the impact and how they could get involved. Um, And I guess there's been the odd customer that's had a crack at me because we're not supporting, in inverted commas, our own. We even had a booth at APP, the trade show, for a couple of years. And I had one particular pharmacist who I shall not name that came up and and really gave it to me over the whole issue that we were supporting um, Ethiopia and uh, the people there. So I got into quite a heated discussion with him about about that particular issue. But the truth is that the vast majority of our customers have been incredibly supportive of the foundation and its work. Um, It's an integral part of our business model and it has been good for business. And the way it's been good for business is that it's because we are doing this, we believe from, from good motives. It's given um, our customers a, a, an added level of trust in who we are and what we do, and particularly a, a unique connection point with them through, um, I guess, club points and our loyalty program, Club Full Life. It's also helped us attract a younger demographic because it, it really the, the actions of the Full Life Foundation and our focus on women and children and mothers particularly, it's really resonated with our young mums. And so they've talked and they, they come in and, and they've been very supportive of the programs such as Gift to Hope and other things that we do in store. And I think it's enabled us to show our customers that we are not just about ourselves, but we are truly, genuinely and passionately concerned about the needs of others and we are willing to share what we have with them. We run a couple of programs in store. Uh, this ranges from the Gift of Hope cards that I mentioned. We have Full Life Foundation Fridays each week. We wear our purple foundation T-shirts and we have a particular element of the foundation that we'll focus on or one of the programs telling our customers. Um, we have give back programs. So we've started January, we started where every single sale in the pharmacy benefits the Full Life Foundation financially. And the customers actually love this because the thought by simply shopping with us, they're actually helping make a difference in Ethiopia. And since they've started realising this, they've started becoming stakeholders and it's taken it to a whole new level. Just a couple of quick stories. One of our pensioners was so taken with the concept of our $3 clean birthing kit card that she used to purchase five every time she received her pension. Um, yeah, uh, we had, we've had people we don't even know come into the pharmacy and without a word, just drop $200 into our donation boxes. Just thankful for what we're doing. So that's just incredibly humbling and encouraging for us. And only yesterday we picked up two new um, prescription customers who had received our flyer in the mail and noticed that we 
are giving a, a, a dollar for every flu vaccination to the foundation. And that motivated them to come in and start supporting us in other ways. Some great stories there, Ian. And I'm sure, though, working in the philanthropy space hasn't always been smooth sailing. You mentioned before that there's some people that haven't been very impressed by your focus on overseas needs. Is there anything that you would have done differently if you had your time again? I've thought about this, and I don't, I don't honestly think there is. Uh, I think I went into it a bit naive. I went in to help people and to try and do all we could to, to improve the health and lives of Ethiopian women and children. That still drives me today. If I had to describe myself, I'd probably say big on vision and not so big on detail. Um, I didn't realise initially the level and degree of governance that would be required to run a charity in Australia. Now, we're registered nationally in each state and also by the Australian Charities and Not-for-Profits Commission, but the, the level of uh, governance and, um, I guess, reporting that needs to be done has grown each year. And we've adapted and we, we tick all the regulatory boxes as we should. But I guess it would have been nice to know all this up front. But Ian, I think if you might have gone into that fully knowing what was needed, you might not have ever gotten it off the ground. That's actually probably true. And I guess I would have missed out on that, that great learning experience and all that frustrating admin of the last eight or so years. Now, I understand that you have met and are working with some amazing Australians doing wonderful work in Ethiopia as well. Can you tell us a little bit about those people and what they're doing? Absolutely. Look, probably the one I'll focus on more so is Valerie Browning, who's an Australian nurse that, that arrived in Ethiopia back in the 80s uh, as part of the international response to the deadly famine. So recently, the Bohemian Rhapsody movie was all about Bob Geldorf's Live Aid, and Ethiopia was the heart of that whole thing. So Valerie arrived at a time, and she talks about that as being just a devastating time of, of death and malnutrition, but she felt called to this country. So she went back there uh, and has been there ever since, working and advocating for the Afar people up in the north northeast. Um, we got to meet her first during our 2015 visit, and she's just inspirational. Um, with the Afar people, she's their voice, she's their advocate at a, a national and an international level, and in many ways, she's their protector. Um, we actually visited the Afar in 2017, and we were able to meet at her compound where she lives, um, some of the 10 orphans that she's adopted over the past couple of years. It's the sort of person she is, selfless and always thinking about others and very little of her own safety. Um, she's known as Malika or Malika by the Afar, which means our queen in their language. And she inspires all of us. Uh, so we're now supporting Valerie in many ways by funding specific maternal and child initiatives, such as the vaccination campaign I've mentioned, clean birthing kits, and the training of maternal assistants. We were fortunate that she was back in Australia in 2019 visiting family. So we managed to get her in when she was in Melbourne to come to the pharmacy and speak to our customers and also the entire Full Life Pharmacy team. And she speaks from the heart. She talks she talks as it is on the ground. And so it really affected our people. There was a lot of tears shed that night. I can tell you that, Daniel, not just from me. Um, and I know that many of our people were inspired that night to do more to help her. Um, she's, 
she's just an extraordinary person and and we are doing all we can to ensure that she has the funds to be able to change lives and to save lives up there in the Afar. Well, speaking of inspiration, if the listeners right now are inspired and they want to support and be involved with your work, can pharmacies or individuals become involved with the Full Life Foundation? And if so, how can they do that? Yes, most definitely. We would love to have more pharmacies supporting us, whether that be donation boxes on the counters, our gift of hope cards, or even direct donations. We have a, a couple of pharmacists supporting us financially, donating on a monthly basis. And we would love to, to have more. And you can go to our website, which is fulllifefoundation.com.au, or you can contact me directly. Am I able to give out a number, Daniel? 100%. Okay, it's 0414-871-928. The truth is we've been able to bring about really incredible impact for relatively small amounts of money. So I guess we always imagine what we could do if we, if we had more to, to work with. I've heard it said, Daniel, that one of the best things in life you can do is to make a positive difference to the life of another person. And that's something that we've experienced over the past seven or eight years that we've been running the foundation. It's been incredibly rewarding. We believe that every life is important and every mother giving birth, every baby coming into the world is special, no matter where they're born, whether that's Australia or Ethiopia. They deserve a chance at living a full life and the pun actually was intended there. Um, and we just wanna provide help and assist as many Ethiopian mothers and children as we can. So. If anyone's out there wanting to get involved or wanting to know ways that they can support us, please feel free to contact me anytime. And thank you for the opportunity to talk about this. No, Ian, thank you. Ian Shanks, owner of Full Life Pharmacies Group and CEO of the Full Life Foundation. So much amazing work and so many inspiring stories. Ian, you and the team are to be commended. Congratulations and long may it last. So thank you for coming on the show and sharing the work that the foundation does in focusing on helping the health of women and children in Ethiopia. Thank you, Daniel. Once again, really appreciate the opportunity to speak about what we do. What an inspiring story and example of corporate social responsibility at work, how a life-changing experience can change your purpose. Community pharmacy is an integral part of the community fabric and is perfectly placed to make positive impacts on the health of both the immediate and wider populations. As Ian mentioned, if you'd like further information on the Full Life Foundation, you can visit fulllifefoundation.com.au. And if you know of a community pharmacy that is doing exceptional work, whether that be through community engagement, services, education, support or empowerment, please drop us a line at bus.support at guild.org.au and share their story with us today. I've been your host, Daniel Oyston, and you've been listening to Episode 73 of the PBCM Podcast. The PBCN Podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. For more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.